Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to Small Business Digest Radio. My name is Don Mazzella, and I am your host for a program devoted to identifying strategies and suggestions to help small business managers increase profits, add sales, better manage cash flow, improve employee management, and streamline operations. Our guests are other entrepreneurs and experts offering their solutions to the problems and opportunities facing small business leaders. Our aim in each program is to provide one or two thought-provoking ideas or suggestions. So follow us on Twitter at hashtag 2SBDigest or at our website at www.smallbusinessdigest.net. I love this intro music. So does my engineer. <laughs> Don't we dance? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. You know, it's been kind of a gloomy winter. Not as bad <laughs> as last winter here. Um, but uh, we have a program today that I think will really uh, uplift our little our spirits uh, somewhat. Because our, our first guest is Susan Ford Collins, who's written a very interesting book, The Joy of Success. And uh, we're going to talk about that and a few other things. But first, as we ask all of our guests, please tell us a little bit about yourself personally. And welcome to the program. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, Like many people, I wanted to be successful. But having an alcoholic mother and a workaholic father, I was pretty sure I didn't know how. (laughs) And so when I was a researcher at the National Institutes of Health, I decided that I wanted to study highly successful people instead of ill and dis. I couldn't sleep at night. I was so excited about the idea. But I suggested it in a conference to my 250 peers, and they all laughed and laughed loudly. And I had a really important decision to make on the spot, red-faced, standing there, and that was, was I going to pursue my dream or was was I going to give up on my dream and assume that they were right and I was wrong? And needless to say, all these years, I have pursued the dream, and that's what's led to the book and the many exciting opportunities I've had in my career. So wanting to know what success is is a really important point for somebody who has a small business because, as I talk about in The Joy of Success, most people don't know what success is, and so they're going off in the wrong direction half the time. Well, you know, that's the name of your book, which I found fascinating reading. So, uh, but a question I would like to ask is, uh-huh. how do you define uh, joy? <laughs> well, I think my illustrator did a great job on the cover of the book with the person with their hands up and reaching for the sky and excited and Joy isn't something you can put in a box or quantify. It's just that uh, that joy of life, that that feeling of being alive and excited that we're all really looking for and money can't buy. So that's the part of the joy of success that moves beyond the day-to-day grind and the, you know, the increases and the bonuses and the job titles to the very essence of it, the very thing we're all looking for. Well, you know, uh, I've t- I've uh, worked for and interviewed a lot of successful people 
in life and a lot of failures in life. And sometimes I often wonder who are the failures and who are the successes, because I, <laughs> some of the uh, have you run into that, and what are you? Uh, what are your thoughts? Well, yes, I, I don't define failure the same way other people do, because based on my interviews of uh, two hundred thousand people, basically over the years, and highly successful people in corporate life and uh, all kinds of areas of life, I found that that failure is simply incompletion. It's either not knowing enough at the time or putting enough energy in at the time or getting enough expertise from other people to be able to complete what you wanted to do at that moment and giving up. So failure is simply giving up on something that you really want. And at any moment, we can stop and say, hey, you know what, I really want that and I'm willing to go at it again. Whether that's a small business you want to start or whether it's another degree you want to get, whatever it is, it's about taking that moment that most people call failure and converting it to a new start. Okay. But you have some uh, some thoughts on uh, ways of doing that. So uh, let's go. And you mentioned that in your book as well. So where do you want to start? Well, let's start with defining success because that really is the beginning. And what I find is highly successful people don't follow the dictionary idea of success. They don't see it as just accomplishing things and more and more things every day. What they see is that success has three essential parts. Success is completion, and that includes accomplishment, but it's also deletion. It's knowing when enough is enough, when you don't want it anymore, when pursuing it any longer is just going to frustrate you and not take you where you want to go. And it's also creation. It's knowing when it's time to come up with a new method, a new approach, a new business, a new strategy. Uh, and this is the heart of startups and small businesses and home-based businesses is that, that we have something that isn't working and we have to delete it and create something new. So this idea of success having three parts is extremely relevant to your uh, listening audience, to people who are in small businesses, in home-based business, or in startup businesses. What? You know, well, let's talk about that a little bit because one of the things that, that I've found is that the most successful um, uh, smaller business are entrepreneurs who've done it one, two, three, even four times, yes. sometimes successfully and sometimes not. Uh, what is it about them that makes them uh, refuse to give up? <laughs> and that's that big thing called persistence, but it's also because I found highly successful people have two things that they do. One, they take time every day to acknowledge themselves for what they accomplished that day. And they literally sit down at some point, and this is how I found, found this out. I sat in offices with them. I shadowed them in cars and meetings and planes. And every once in a while I would see them stop and kind of put their head under, on their shoulder or on their hand under their chin and just think. And I would say, well, what are you doing in there? And they'd say, well, I'm thinking about my day, what I accomplished today. Um, and they started at the very beginning when they first woke up, 
Um, they included things like eating a good breakfast, uh, doing exercise, because they said long-term, if you leave out those things, you will not be able to get to your goals because you'll burn out first. So one is being able to daily success file, I call it, or build your self-confidence so you can continue. Because the problem is if you are other confident, that is you depend on other people for your confidence, when you try to do something new, you're going to get shot down because most people will not agree with a brand new idea. I mean, think of Jeff Bezos when he had the cockamamie idea of starting up Amazon, you know, an online bookstore. I mean, most people laughed. But the truth was he had already decided in himself that he was going to do this. And the only failure for him, he said, was if he didn't try. So there's a whole different orientation that highly successful people have. And, you know, call that persistence um, or just that they have two skills, the ability to success file and the ability to create such a powerful dream that it's already alive. And they said sometimes it's like walking out to the end of a limb and being so certain about what you're going to do next that it's like the limb continues and there's no feeling that you're going to fall or fail. I, I, that's absolutely fascinating. Um uh, I'm sitting here. I was listening to you so intently. I didn't have my second <laughs> next question. Um, <laughs> That's okay. Be spontaneous. I love it. <laughs> I I try to be. I seldom go by by a script, as my audience know. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I I sit here listening to you, especially about that question about taking moments to uh, think of what has to be done. Um, uh, just recently, uh, I've noticed that I've taken more as I've gotten old, gotten older. I've taken more and more time to either during the day or at the end of the day to say, "What have I accomplished?" Because yes. I'm beginning to r- realize that I have less time to accomplish it than I used <laughs> to. Uh, well, and, and you know, as I coach some people who are starting businesses, I tell them this is one of the best. 10 minutes they can spend in their day is to sit down, what did I accomplish today? And try to be goal-oriented. You know, who did I call? Who did I email? Who did I bump into the hall in the hall that gave me an idea? You know, what were the tiny steps I took today that will accumulate into the very result I want? And it's this accumulation, it's the persistence that is knowing exactly where you want to go that allows you to seize opportunities that most people miss. And, you know, the stories I heard from highly successful were, uh, people were just amazing, how they bumped into the person who invested in them, who they bumped into who became their partner, and why were they able to seize that opportunity when other people weren't? Because they had something in mind that they were searching for. And the human brain is an amazing, amazing thing. We have something called the reticular activating system. It's part of the brain stem. And it's like the search and find mechanism in a computer. So when you pre-experience something that you want, you actually program your reticular activating system to be uh, watching the sensory input that comes in to see if there's a match. So, for example, if you tell yourself that you want to talk to Jim about an upcoming meeting and you get in the elevator and there he is, 
you're able to stop then and say, hey, Jim, I wanted to discuss this meeting, where most people would get back to their desk and look at their list and go, oh, shoot, there was Jim and I didn't say a word. Mm-hmm. You know, So it's this seizing opportunities because it's clear you're – your hologram, I call it, your vision of the future, your goal is so clear in your mind that, as I was telling you, you kind of step out onto the limb right into it. There's no fear of falling or failing. Hmm. You know, one other thing that you said I thought was very important that's been echoed on this program several times is that success is a, is a series of tiny steps, not yes. giant steps. Yes, and and they really emphasize this, and they 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 kind of laughed when other people mentioned things that happened every four years, and you know life kind of imprints us to expect to graduate every four years, or you know change jobs every four years. But four years is you know not a real number. It's it's what we do day by day by day, and you know some people have said it's kind of like a necklace. You know, it's all those little beads on the necklace that are the successes that accumulate into the big ones. And you have to have them in place so that when that opportunity comes, you can slide it right in right in there and it makes sense. So, you know, it's about being a dreamer. Uh, it used to be that we saw dreamers as lying in the fields looking at the clouds going overhead, but now it's people you know sitting quietly in their cars between meetings or on a on a bench after exercise and, and saying i want to pre-live my dream i want to make it so real for me that i can seize opportunities and i can attract experts and i can create the thing that's so important to me just the way jeff bezos did with his amazon uh, and it's interesting to notice that they named amazon after the brazilian river that seems to have endless branches (laughs) and based on their initial vision the company has really produced endless branches it's amazing what they've been able to do since 1994 when the idea was left at till now when it's just gobbling up the marketplace very interesting um the name of your book and where people can get it Okay, it's The Joy of Success, and you can get it everywhere. And uh, you can also go to my website, which is uh, susanfordcollins.com or the t- or technologyofsuccess.com. But it's very accessible, The Joy of Success, and the subtitle is 10 Essential Skills for Getting the Success You Want. You know, we mm-hmm. spend our lives or our early lives, going after the successes our parents want from us. And then we spend the early years of our careers going after the successes our employers want from us. And this book really takes us to the next level of saying, well, let's look again. What do I want? What really matters to me? And what do I need to do to start creating that? You know, do I need to set up a company? Do I need to transform the one I'm in? These are choices we have now, but most people don't make those choices, sad to say. Well, um, before we, uh, we go further, Susan, um, we have uh, on on the board waiting to come on, Dan- Danielle Tate. Uh, I'm going to uh, make her mic live right now so she can okay. join, join us. But I have a question for you, um, which I will uh, ask you. Uh, Danielle, welcome to the program. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Hello. Well, uh, 
Well, let me introduce uh, our first guest, Susan Ford Collins. Uh, Hi, Danielle. She's, uh, she's written the book, The Joy of Success. And I thought uh, we might have an interesting uh, uh, program of bringing the two of you together. Uh, but first, Danielle, tell us a little bit about yourself personally, and we'll get into everything else uh, afterwards. But uh, I want to bring our audience up to speed about you, who have a very fascinating background. Uh, yes, so I am an accidental entrepreneur. I was the woman who had trouble changing her name after getting married, and instead of just complaining about it and struggling through, founded an <laughs> online name change service with zero business background and scaled to 300,000 customers in two different countries. Wow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you see, she's a perfect example. She's the person who sees the opportunity. She had a problem herself. And she saw an opportunity, and she converted into a business because she realized other people had the same need. Bravo. <laughs> Thank you. And and so this struggle and this journey um, of becoming an entrepreneur and figuring it all out and desperately reading business books and startup books <laughs> uh, led me to see another void in the market, another oh, another way to help and change the world for the better. And so I wrote Elegant Entrepreneur the Female Founder's Guide to Starting and Growing Your First Company as a guide for women who have ideas but don't necessarily have a business background. And it's mm. very much the book that I wish was available when I started Miss Now Mrs. Perfect. Um, you know, it's interesting. Uh, across my desk came a, a survey that indicated that um, while more than 50% of new businesses are started by women, they have uh, they have difficulties finding financing and other things uh, to grow their, their businesses. Did you find that to be the case, Danielle? I have never taken outside funding by choice, but yes, um, part of the problem is that less than 2% of venture capitalists are female, and there's very little diversity in the venture capital world. So if you have the solution to a problem that you face based on your gender or religion or origin, and they don't share that problem. It's very hard to pitch and successfully gain interest and funding um, from people who don't who don't see the problem and therefore don't understand the solution. Oh, that's yes, very true. the old prejudices are still in place about business, and you know, with women starting two times as many businesses as men, uh, the workplace has got to catch up. So I'm thrilled that you are speaking up on behalf of so many people who are struggling to get in. Well, you want to say anything, Danielle? I want to say thank, thank you. It's And it's not just me. My book is a third my journey, a third research, and then a third interviews with 28 other prominent female founders like Barbara Corcoran from Shark Tank and Marsha Firestone from Women's President's Organization and Jenny Fleiss from Rent the Runway. And I love this spirit of women encouraging each other and saying, yes, there should be more of us helping each other, and we're all doing these successful things, and let's pool our information and our experience and our advice and make the make the pathway for future female founders easier. Yes. <laughs> Interestingly, I'm just writing an article right now that says just that, so uh, you're a partner on this one. Thank you. Yay. <laughs> 
Well, uh, see, like I say, uh, these programs become more interactive. But let me ask. <laughs> but let me ask. Let's ask you a question, Susan. Is yeah. there d- differing uh, objectives between women and men in terms of the word success? Well, I would say that success is way more inclusive for women than men. And, you know, I talk about in my book three gears of success, and the first gear of success is about learning new things. The second gear of success is about producing and competing. And the third gear of success is breaking through and creating new things and then stepping up into leadership and helping other people to do that, which is exactly what Danielle is saying. But what I find is that the way things are structured now, women are really struggling because for women, success is more than just what they do at work. And they come home to a whole work day's worth of responsibilities that are still still left over from the old model, which was where you had the homemaker and the and the work partner. And today women are looking for I would say other women to help them figure out, just like you are helping women figure out, how do I be successful in my home life and my family life and in my marriage as well as in my business life? And women are struggling because they're, they feel like in major corporations they're being forced to make a choice between advancing in their career and having a full life. And we've got to change that. You, Danielle, you want to comment on that? Absolutely. Uh, My favorite, um, the way my book is structured is there's the 12 steps from idea to exit. And then between each step is an elegant insight to help spanning that step be more graceful as opposed to just clumsily clawing along. And my favorite insight is elegant insight 11. And it's lean in for your startup to stand upright for yourself. So Very instead good. of I, I loved Lean In, I really appreciated a lot of what Cheryl Sandberg had to say, but I think by applying her concepts and tenets to entrepreneurship and women can lean in and push and not limit themselves and build a company, it gives them the freedom, the financial freedom, the hours they work freedom to then take the time to travel, to start a family, to take care of of a family member that might need their attention. And so I do think that entrepreneurship is the pathway to successful lives for women everywhere. And, you know, I've worked with a lot of women who have uh, started businesses that are home-based businesses, and they still have to deal with kids coming in or sick kids and all of that. So we still have to have other women who are supporting with uh, good daycare or companies that have daycare and have have uh, health care on site. And we're, women, whether we're working at home or we're working in the old corporate walls, are still going to need more because we define success more thoroughly. So, for example, if a child is sick and you're someone working in a big corporation and you've got a huge meeting coming up, uh, most women would make the priority handling their child as quickly as they could, where most husbands would say, I'm too busy, I don't have time for that today. And, you know, it's like somehow or another, as women, I think it's going to have to be us, we're going to have to figure out ways to support all of these broader concept of success issues that women face today. Hmm. Any comments, Danielle? 
I, I absolutely agree with Susan. <laughs> um, we we our our buckets. We have more buckets and put more in our buckets of success. And I think having a great network of friends, colleagues, employees, and service providers is very important to have in your toolkit as a female founder or as any woman working in corporate America. Well, and, you know, women are doing such a fantastic job now. Uh, Marissa Mayer is the president and CEO of Yahoo. Mary Barra is the CEO of the largest automaker in the U.S. Uh, we've got Janet Napolitano, who's Secretary of Homeland Security. <laughs> you know, uh, Sheryl Sandberg, COO of Facebook. Uh, and we've also got... Um, Ellen Coleman, who's the CEO and chairman of DuPont. So what that says is that women are moving up into the C-suite of major corporations all over the place. And when I started looking at this, I was stunned, you know, at how many women have now not only worked their way up the corporate ladder, but they're at the top of the corporate ladder, and they can begin to reach down and help the next generation. Although I think sometimes we have a tendency to forget and assume that all women have to go through that, when the truth is we can change it. Well, uh, well let me ask you a question. Um, uh, I'm, a, I'm older than you, either of you ladies, and I remember, uh, um, and I'm not going to ask your age. I learned that no, many don't. years ago. <laughs> uh, but the point I wanted to make is I, I recall when I started out, I was married to a very ambit- ambitious woman who suffered a great many um, slings and arrows uh, getting through uh moving the corporate ladder and ultimately uh, hit the glass ceiling. And, and my second wife happens to be a Harvard MBA, uh, uh, which tells you maybe I like intelligent women. Yeah. Uh, uh, maybe that's why this program, uh, we, we try to uh, balance it. But it's interesting. If a man, when a man reaches the president, uh, the CEO level, they don't talk about uh, whether he has a bathroom or not. Yet, uh, um, if a woman does, they talk about all of the uh, 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 children's room built for her and other things. Do you think that's unfair? Uh, I think that it's really important to realize that women are wired when they go through pregnancy to take care of the needs of their children and their families. And I think when they move to the CEO level, they're still wired to take care of the needs of their corporate families. And so making sure there's a bathroom and making sure that there's a proper food service and all of that are very important things. And I think they're things that make uh, their employees loyal to them because they start to make their lives better at work and at home. I don't want to push back at you, but uh, they Go use ahead. Marissa Meyer's bathroom uh, as an <laughs> indication of, of how uh, the Yahoo feels about her and the fact that they feel she is not looking out for them. Uh, uh, you, you well, know, it's just a different point of view. You know, it's like we, we're in uh, a gap right now between the way it used to be and the way it will be and you know we see by these women moving up to the top that we're rapidly getting to how it's going to be 
So a lot of women hold back now, and they don't bring up these things because they sound too feminist. I mean, this is kind of like the novelists who wrote their books in the name of George Eliot or George Sand when they were really women. I mean, we're in a holdback period, but more and more women are saying, look, let's take care of all the needs of people. Most people are spending most of their time in the workplace and we need to nurture them. And more and more companies are starting to, like Burger King, have um, school and health care and home care, all of that in the work so that mothers and fathers can go to their kids' school events or be there quickly if there's a fall on the playground. I'd like to uh, chime in with the, with the, the thought process that if it's your company, you can choose to build the house as fast or as slow as you would like to. Yes. And you can omit any ceiling. And so no one's going to question whether you put a bathroom in or not or <laughs> how many weeks of vacation you take or if you're going to take maternity leave. I mean, Sheryl Sandberg is the CEO of Facebook and was afraid she was going to lose her job on yep. maternity leave. I posit that if she had founded Facebook, she would never have had that worry and that stress. Well, and even some men now are offering um, leave and for fathers, and they're having to take it because they want to set a good example. So, again, it's this gap we're in. You know, business is becoming life instead of something separate that we do from 9 to 5. I, I, I agree. Um, you two women have given me so much to thought of. My mouth is... Uh... <laughs> Uh, I know. I feel like we should go have a cocktail or something later. <laughs> Where are you located? Danielle, <laughs> uh, tell us again uh, you know, your book and how people can get it. Um, Elegant Entrepreneur is available on Amazon as a paperback or Kindle download. If you're curious more about the story, about the mission, uh, you can also go to my website, elegantentrepreneur.co. Okay. Mm. And we're on Twitter at, at elegant underscore entra. But Great. but you also have but you also have your regular business. You're still I doing do. that. My I multifold assume. life. Yes, MissNowMrs.com um, is available for anyone in the United States or Canada looking to change their name after marriage. <laughs> There's GetYourNameBack.com for anyone looking to change their name back after marriage. So <laughs> a clever girl. <laughs> well, will you tell us a little bit about how your website works? Sure. Uh, Miss Now Misses is very similar to an online tax preparation software. So instead of going to all of the offices, collecting all of the forms, sitting down and manually writing in your name, your address, telephone, etc., our clients answer um, an online questionnaire, which auto-completes all of the necessary state and federal paperwork for changing their names. So things like Social Security, the IRS 8022, passport, driver's license. We also use API to notify over 15 million businesses of our clients' new names. So essentially we take the 13-hour process and condense it into a 30-minute process for $30. Wow. Brilliant. <laughs> now that's a real ele- that's a real ele- elevator fe- speech if I ever heard one. <laughs> well, you don't have, have to, to make very much too <laughs> to make it make sense. <laughs> I would like to say that I've taken my forty years of experience of coaching highly successful people and brought it to 
uh, an opportunity for anyone to get coached with me one-to-one by Skype or in person. So <laughs> we're doing a similar thing. We're making success a lot easier for the people who are coming up and who will take over. That's fascinating. Um well, let's let's continue as uh, uh, our next guest still hasn't appeared, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> you, uh, you you two uh, are more than uh, compensating for our uh, our time. Um, I think a uh, handful uh, is the phrase. <laughs> <laughs> well, the two of you, uh, 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 it's very interesting. I find that um, uh, when I put women on together, and uh, as you know, I. I really didn't warn you that this might happen. It's amazing how they women bond together much more <laughs> quickly than men, and and start to work uh, um, um, work together and build on each other. Do you find? Oh yeah, that- I feel like Susan and I could have a morning television show. At oh, I only wish I were in the studio <laughs> with you. <laughs> yes. Uh, 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 I think women tend to be more collaborative, and uh, women tend to be more collaborative, and men still prefer to be more controlling. And men are really moving into the collaboration sector, but it's not really their nature. Um, So what we're seeing now as we move into this period where creativity is really what's wanted in the workplace, I mean, manufacturing has gone overseas and it's coming back again, But what we need to do is come up with ideas. And why women are so good at startups and helping people start up is that women know how to nurture. They know how to listen. They know how to look at an idea and make sure the owner of the idea still owns it, not try to take it over or control it, but just to support it and nurture it. And I call it co-dream it. You know, to be so enthusiastic about the idea that every success the creator of the idea has is my success too. Not because I control it, but because I really support it. And I think that's what people are looking for. I really like that. And, you know, with this book, I was trying to demystify entrepreneurship and the feelings mm-hmm. that come through each step. But also through doing these interviews, I demystified the whole concept of mean girls in business. Every woman I spoke to took the time, shuffled their schedule to meet my deadlines, and then introduced me to one or two other amazing entrepreneurs that I had never met. And so the amount of grace I was shown and the amount of help really dispelled the whole mean girls of business thing. And it was refreshing and inspiring. (laughs) I find the same thing. I find women more than willing to step up and help, and to share information. They're they're not information grabbers, but they're information passers on, and I think that that's a very beautiful characteristic. And this is what, you know, for home business or startup business or small business, you know, you don't know everything you're going to need to know, and you're going to have to reach out. So being able to find collaborators and co-dreamers is very much a part of the startup process. Oh, I see. Well, if you, you ladies don't mind staying on, um, our, our next guest is here, and I'd like to, him to join the party. Oh, good. Lenny? 
Are you on? Good morning. How are this you? This is Lenny. I'm good, thank you. Good for morning. <laughs> good morning. Uh, uh, well, uh, um, you're our third guest, and we've been uh, on with Danielle Tate and Susan Ford Collins. And now, Lenny, and I'm uh, uh, I'm going to probably butcher your name because I've tried it four times, Verhoglitz? Verhoglitz. Say it again. Verhoglitz. Okay. Well, we would like you to join join our program today because uh, you bring a whole different um, uh, aspect to this. You talk about franchising, which uh, uh, which is in some ways, and if Danielle and Susan don't mind staying on and you don't mind, I'd like uh, you first to tell us a little bit about yourself uh, and then a little bit about your, your company and why uh, and franchising. So, Lenny, the stage is yours. Thank you very much, everyone. Um, so my name is Lenny Farhoglas. I, um, I have a business background. I've been in the corporate world for almost 20 years, working for um, Fortune 500 companies throughout my career. Uh, I have an MBA in finance, and uh, my background is IT. And uh, about 14 years ago, my wife and I came across a neighbor in need, and she was bedbound, left alone by her daughter, who went on vacation. And my wife and I uh, said to ourselves, we need to help this lady out. And um, this was a turning point in our careers. We decided that this is what we wanted to do, and uh, that was uh, the uh, starting point of our new business called Executive Care. Wonderful. And we provide um, help to seniors and, th- and those in need at home with uh, activities of daily living, companionship, homemaking, and so forth. And uh, we worked in our business uh, for about 10 years, gaining experience, knowledge, before we decided to go, before we decided to franchise the concept. So in 2013, we launched Executive Care as a national brand, and right now we're in five states. Uh, we have offices, uh, some operating, some are ready to, to be opened. So it's a very exciting time for us, and we think this Wonderful. is a great opportunity for, um, for us to present our brand, our skill, our knowledge to other entrepreneurs out there and uh, expand the, the brand nationally. Wonderful. You know, we you're so in sync. It, it was amazing that uh, you put this all together for us. But um, executive care is, is the perfect other piece that Danielle and I were talking about. You know, for women, success is more inclusive and includes taking care of family members. So it's brilliant that you are helping business people to actually expand their responsibility into the to the home sector as well as just into their business and, and I think it's wonderful. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm curious how you're leveraging your IT background. Like do you have an mm-hmm. app that allows family members to check in? Like I'm I'm curious how your background is is benefiting your your new ish venture. <laughs> That's a very good question. In fact, we do have uh, what we call a uh, a client portal, so family members or even physicians, social workers, other family members with, with proper access, of course, they can log in into our portal and see uh, who the caregiver is, for example. What's the plan of care for the for the loved one? 
Um, uh, they can even see pictures with uh, of their loved one posted on the site. So it keeps um, family informed. As we know, a lot of children, adult children, live away from their parents, out of state, out of town, out of country. We have some clients that um, whose children live in New Zealand, Australia, Hong Kong, and so forth. So it really helps the technology. We're leveraging the technology to the maximum. Yes, I can tell by your website. Well done. Thank you. Well, well let me ask you the question. Uh, uh, you started the franchises. What are the what are the um, advantages a, a person has in you in franchise in buying one of your franchises versus starting uh, on their own? There are a lot of advantages, and we I can talk about it firsthand because we started by ourselves 10, 12 years ago, and we made a lot of mistakes. We've uh, treaded along, paid dearly for a, lot, for a lot of mistakes, and by having a franchisor behind you, you tend to avoid all those mistakes. Uh, you get the knowledge, the concept, turnkey um, operations. You get the support, which is crucial in any yeah. business. We got the support team in place. We got um, webinars, uh, training courses, training itself. Before anybody starts their business, uh, their executive care business, they have to spend a week in our headquarters in northern New Jersey go, uh, undergoing training, whether it's a home care business or just being in business. Because what we've noticed, a lot of entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs, they want to do something different. They want to, to make a positive impact on the community. But first of all, this is a business, and they need to understand how to run a business before even we get into uh, what home care is, for example, home health care is. So having that back backup, having that support is instrumental in running a successful business. Well, uh, let me ask you a question, and I'll ask this of all of you. Um, uh, entrepreneurs have uh, one of the biggest uh, uh, failures of entrepreneur, entrepreneurs is their ability to hire people. They don't seem to. Uh, they everybody I ask always says we made uh, not always, but almost all cases say we made hiring mistakes. How, how do in your experience? How do you deal with that? And I, I'll start first with Susan, if I may. Okay. Well, I would just say you're going to make mistakes, you know, and not to get invalidated by that. And every time you make a mistake, you kind of add that as a list to check the next time. But, uh, you know, avoiding failure is not the way to success. It's just the way to fear and and to, you know, giving up. So, I think this idea that we're hearing about of the franchise is has proven to be one of the ways that really helps people to start a business and to have the knowledge and support that they need. So, uh, and this is what Danielle and I are saying is that we've taken our experience and we've created vehicles for helping other entrepreneurs or other small business people to improve on theirs. Michelle. Uh, Danielle, what do you say? Um, I have a whole chapter. Chapter four is called Building Your Team. 
And it, it's, it's very important um, in finding your co-founder and then especially your early hires. And I think finding people who share your vision and your passion and your mission um, and ideally finding people you have worked with previously. Maybe you can't hire because of you know, competitive contracts, et cetera, but someone you've already had experience with within your sphere of work or someone from your industry is, is typically a good early hire because you've already built a trust level. Um, you understand what each other thinks of as success, and um, that tends to lead to a better hire than somebody that you've never met before who has a great resume. And that goes back to the co-dreamer conversation we were having a little while ago. You know, you're so right. They have to share the vision. And so often you find out in the early weeks of a new hire that they're on their own track heading for a different direction than yours. So you have to really find out, is someone interested in supporting you or are they interested in building their career and taking your ideas and going someplace else? So uh, I think that's something that you can kind of check off pretty early um, by by spending a lot of time up front, sharing the vision in detail, and making sure that the behaviors that you see in them line up with that vision. And knowing that at a certain point you're going to have to make a call. This person is a co-dreamer or isn't. And one of the wisdoms of startup is to know when to let go. And I had said success is also deletion sometimes. So sometimes you have to have the foresight to say, hey, this is not somebody on my team. Well, Lenny, I have two questions. Yeah, those are very, very good points. Um, From my vantage point, I find that um, you always take a risk in hiring someone new and not until somebody starts working for you do you know what they're capable of or not That's capable right. of. Yes. So uh, we've experienced this um, over the years. But what I find really works is uh, coaching and mentoring. And I I heard this many, many years ago from my bosses when I was um, just entering the workforce. Uh, I've been constantly reminded that an effective um, owner or effective manager is, do- is the one that surrounds himself or herself with smart people or people that know more than the manager himself or herself. Yes. And I find that very effective. So we always hire forward. Uh, we always hire ahead of the curve an expectation of uh, building a bigger business or bigger organization. And I I, uh, I like to coach people. I like to um, to see them advance. And if they're productive, then the business is productive. Then everyone is happy. The business is more profitable. And on and on and on. You get the picture. Well, well, Lenny, let me ask you a question. The the most important person um, outside of, obviously of you is the 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 caregiver, him or herself. How do you find those people? Um, which I'm told I know enough about your industry to be dangerous, but uh, <laughs> uh, uh, but it seems that uh, finding the right people, the caring people, um, is is an extremely difficult part. How do you do it? It's a very very good question. Um, we, as a company, as an organization, we never stop recruiting uh, for caregivers. Uh, so we, it's it's a one of the wheels of, in our operations. We have two major wheels. One wheel is always sales and 
marketing of our brand, of our company, of our service, and the other big wheel is the recruitment. So we constantly recruit and look for the gems. Not everybody is good, I have to admit. So we always have to give everyone a chance. So um, we interview them by skill, we interview them by attitude, uh, aptitude. The Depending on the state they're in, they have to have certain certification, uh, certain experience. Uh, so it's, a, it's an ongoing process, and we always keep the good ones, and we have to let go of the bad ones. Mm-hmm. And it's a constant it's a constant battle, if you will, of finding the right people to work for you. And uh, we reward the good ones with better pay, better assignments, and uh, that's how we keep going. People have talked about loyalty in business, but you have to be sure what you're loyal to. And I hear you, Lenny, saying you're loyal to the results and the satisfaction of your customers. And so that means that when you see someone who is not able to produce that result, you have to let them go find something else to do. And that's that's the head of a smart businessman. Absolutely. Well, you know, we we well, in the beginning stages, you're always afraid to let go of a person. Yes. You may hurt their feelings. They may have a family. They have to earn salary to take home. That's yes. There's a compassion that you carry with you, but at the end of the day, you have to save the business. You have to satisfy the customers. There's a there's a wrong way of firing people and a right way of firing people. And I yes. think we've perfected the way we let go people the right way. Well, I have to tell you, just across my desk. Uh, just now came uh, uh, a pitch for Laura McLeod. Uh, every employer, employer knows at some point, as a leader, there will come a time to let an employee go. But um, many people have said to me um, uh, on this program and in, in our uh, pages of our uh, newsletters that uh, the worst decision they ever made was not firing someone earlier than they did uh and learning how to let someone go is probably a, a very difficult uh task for any entrepreneur anybody want it's talk? about affirming i think you have to affirm what you've noticed that they do well and also suggest you know what their de- deficits might be and how they might make them up but it's not about destroying the person it's just about saying this isn't a fit and I always say to people, listen, I want to let you go so you can find the thing that your talents will really match and you'll feel fulfilled at. That's a very good point. There's nothing worse than hanging on to a job because of credit cards and mortgage payments and hating every minute of it, and it's like the rotten apple in the barrel. It contaminates the environment for everybody else. So, you know, it's about caringly saying this isn't a fit. I think another thing that is helpful is as you're hiring someone, set the expectations and the benchmarks for what will make them successful within the company and successful at their role and have them help you in writing, literally writing or typing those expectations. And so when you do reviews, it's, it's very much personal. It's not them not meeting your expectations. It's them realizing that they aren't meeting the expectations that they helped create, and that makes the process, I think, easier for both sides. 
Great. Absolutely. In our organization, every uh, position has a job description, which I find instrumental. So when people sign on to a job, to a position, they have to read it, understand it, sign off on it. So, so there is no black and white. Uh, there's no gray area. It's all, it's black and white. They understand what's expected of them. It goes for the caregivers, and it goes for uh, our office staff and um, other roles in our organization. Uh, we're getting to the close of our program. I'm going to start with you, Susan. What yes. two things? What two things would you tell our our audience, which is 59 percent CEOs or, or owners of businesses? What would you? What are the two things you would like to impart? And tell us again how they, you can get your your book or, uh, and yourself. Well, I would say learn as many new skills as you can. And, you know, I spent 40 years finding out what skills highly successful people use so that I could pass them on. And the other thing I would say is make sure you have a very clear vision of what success is for you. What is it you're going after? It makes it a lot easier to weed out wasn't what isn't success, and it lets you grab opportunities that other people miss. My book is called The Joy of Success, and it is those ten skills that I discovered highly successful people using, and I coach people all over the world by Skype and, and in person. And the book is available on Amazon or any place that good books are sold. Uh, Danielle, what two things? Are you, are you, I'm sure you have a lot of them. What two, major two things would you like to say? And how do people get in touch with you? I would, I would say to look at obstacles not as setbacks but as opportunities because every time you come over a challenge, it tends to make you better, your company better, or your product better. And you can either waste time and energy on being upset, or you can use that same energy to be better. Um, Another takeaway would be um, have a good idea daily. People get caught up in the one big idea that the company is built around, but you need to have a good idea about messaging your customers, about your website, about improving your product, and implement those ideas daily to be successful and stay ahead of your competition. So, buddy, you you get to say the final word. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, well, my suggestion to the CEOs and future business owners is to find uh, a business that they think they're going to enjoy, because there's no reason of going into a business that you will not enjoy because it just doesn't work. And if you are uh, the type of person who would love to run your own business and have uh, a company like ours behind you, a franchisor that will guide you and um, teach you and help you become successful, then executive care might be the one. And how can people reach you, your company, and everything? Yes, we our website is uh, www.executivehomecare.com and our phone number is 855-393-2372. Well, I hope uh, our audience enjoyed the program as much as I did. It was a real joy, uh, uh, Danielle, Susan, and Lenny. It was a real pleasure having you, and I hope you'll come back again sometime in the future and talk more. Thank you. Thank you very much. Absolutely.
Have a, have a nice day. Thank you for listening tonight. All of our guests are invited because they offer actionable advice to our audience. They do not pay to join us, but rather demonstrate their capacity for helping our audience add profits. Thank you for listening, and we'll be here again next week with other experts to talk about ways to improve your profit picture. Remember, we're here every week at blogtalkradio.com slash smallbusinessdigest. If you like what you heard today, tell others about our efforts. If you would like to be a guest or suggest topics for future hours, email me at info at smallbusinessdigest.net. That's info at smallbusinessdigest.net. We would also like to remind listeners that besides our radio efforts, Small Business Digest comes to you via the web, through our video channel, and in our magazine. You can subscribe for any or all of these by going to smallbusinessdigest.net. That's smallbusinessdigest.net. Thank you, and have a good day.